Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Property. I'm Peter Switzer. And on tonight's show, Nerida Connersby, the Chief Economist at REA Group, will tell us where house prices are heading based on the analysis of what they see on the REA website, which people go to 24-7. This search is a very, very interesting guide to what's happening in various property markets. Nerida will share that with us. Then Charles Tarby, the founder of Century 21, has four charts that defines what's actually going on in the property market right now. And Destiny Financial Solutions' Margaret Lomas will tell us where you should and should not be investing if you're a property investor. So let's kick off with Nerida Consby. Well, the property market is a bit confusing to lots of people, lots of challenges out there with the economy in recession, but house prices don't seem to be tumbling as normal people would expect. Uh, joining me to discuss what's going on in this unusual property market is Nerida Connersby. She's the Chief Economist at the REA Group. Thanks for joining us, Nerida. Thanks for having me. Nerida, one question I get a lot is, you know, um, people talk about a September fiscal cliff. Do you think it's relevant to the property market? Uh, look, it, it, it's less relevant now than it was. Um, you know, we, we could certainly see the impact of the six month mortgage payment freezes on the property market. It basically kept it propped up. Uh, the, the possibility of that ending was going to always be a big concern. But what we have seen is that banks are working with people uh, they're offering interest-only loans, they're consolidating debt. So uh, a lot of the things that we thought would happen in September um, from a banking perspective certainly haven't. Yeah. And so do you think, uh, obviously, this the extension of JobKeeper is going to be a plus. The fact that banks are uh, talking about extending other, some people's loans or giving them different deals I guess the cliff becomes a little bit like a, a step down, but not necessarily a big collapse. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're, we're seeing happening. I mean, we, we, we talk about it more about a September slope, that all these things that were being offered to people, mm -hmm. whether it was six months mortgage payment freezes or whether it was JobKeeper, JobSeeker, uh, they are being gradually wound back, but they're not being shut off uh, very quickly, which could have had quite a dramatic impact uh, on pricing. Yeah, um, I'm going to ask you about the data for August because that is something that you know you you know. But as you know, I like to ask you questions where where the answers are really hard. Um, because what what's the point of having an expert if you can't ask the, the hard questions that normal people want the answers to? Let, let's look at the the final quarter of this year, the December quarter. Renowned for being a great time for the, pro the property market, the spring sales. What do you think is going to happen this year? I think um, there will be price falls, but they will be highly specific to certain areas. So if we have a look at what's been happening with premium property, uh, we're continuing to see high levels of search. We're um, seeing prices hold up. Uh, we're not seeing people hold back selling, so we're not really seeing a stock shortage and, and things are looking pretty good in premium markets or, or markets that are, you know, offering family homes on, on decent sized blocks. The areas that are really risky at the moment uh, are those areas where uh, that are highly exposed to foreign students, um, have high proportions of new development. Uh, if you have a look at the moment, uh, for example, in Melbourne CBD, we have seen 
uh, a very big increase in the number of rental listings. And we are now starting to see a very big increase in the number of people wanting to sell. So the number of listings for sale. So there's about 10 suburbs and um, in those suburbs, they're the ones that we really see as high risk over, over the next 12 months. And I, I, I know there was a story suggesting that NAB was actually you know, playing hardball on some suburbs. I guess we're talking about the same kind of suburbs. Yeah, look, I don't think it's a surprise what suburbs they are. I mean, they, they are areas that um, did have a lot of foreign students. Obviously, foreign students haven't come back. Uh, they did have a lot of young people. You know, if we have a look at what's been happening now in terms of job loss, it has been primarily amongst young people, which is why we've got so many problems in the rental market. Uh, that rental, those rental market problems are flowing through to investors, and, um, and, but they are very specific areas. They're, they're not areas, you know, we're not seeing this wholesale across the board distress uh, emerging in property. Okay, if, if we think about where property prices were three years ago, and then for about a year and a half they went down, then after the May 18 election they started going up again, uh, and you can see how easy this question is going to be. How, how far down do you think we'll fall? Will we fall? Do you reckon we'll fall below where we were at the worst before the May 18 election? And that's a really easy question, Nerida. Yeah, no, look, I, I don't. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's interesting just having a look at what we're seeing that uh, the risk and the locations we, we, we are seeing distress is, is very concentrated. I mean, yeah. half of, we've seen around um, 16, I think it's around, well, I can't remember the exact number, but we've seen uh, a, a several thousand new rental listings uh, since COVID entering onto our site. Uh, half of them are located in 10 suburbs. So, yeah. you know, there's this really, this really strong concentration of risk. I mean, and then you've got places like, Byron and Ballina at the moment, you know, over the, over the past quarter, the prices have increased by 20%. Yeah. Canberra's doing well, Perth is recovering, you know, there's, there's this, just this really marked difference. And we, and we always see it in property. I mean, we always see such a high level of variation, but mm. since COVID has hit, it's just, it's really just scrambled the way that, that markets are behaving. Let, let me share a story to you as an economist you'll love, and as a property related economist. This would have been about the year 2002 or 2003, and like all media business people, I was watching CNBC. It was before I started working for Sky News and Sky Business, because there was no Sky Business Channel. And um, the, the English version of CNBC in the afternoons, because that's when the UK was opening up in the mornings over there, they would interview a guy, an expert, could bill somebody who lived in Australia and who was like a, an international foreign exchange expert. And they'd, they'd show a map of Australia and with one dot on it for Byron Bay because that's, that's where Bill lived. And it, was the, it actually showed you where the world was heading, that someone could be anywhere in the world and through the internet, and through, uh, you didn't get to see his face then, it was just, it was an audio, they might put a pickup, but you could see that the world was going to be a very different world in 18 years time as we are now. And in the age of Zoom, you can do anything from anywhere, can't you? Yeah. And, and, and I'm not surprised that Byron Bay uh, prices are going through the roof. Let's go to uh, the August data. What does it show you? 
Look, in August, um, first home buyers are still incredibly active. Um, they're very, very active in, in Perth and Canberra. They're, that's where we've seen the, the really big pickup in activity. Mm -hmm. uh, investors still aren't returning. Uh, they, they are starting to return in, in Perth and Canberra. So, you know, we've got this real trend between, between those two cities and, and a lot of the other locations. Uh, continued shift to regional, you know, as, as you were saying, you can pretty much live anywhere at the moment. Mm. You know, a lot of us aren't going back into the office, although that might change. So uh, regional areas extending, you know, they're as diverse as northern New South Wales, southern Gold Coast, which has been going quite well for quite some time. Uh, places like Orange are seeing a lot of first home buyer activity. Even even um, the Warrnambool area, we, mm. we have seen a big kick up. So it's been a... It's been an interesting market to watch in August that, you know, there's, there's a, a level of positivity in, in quite unusual locations. Is it true there's an exodus in the southern states to the northern states? Sorry, I just... Uh, uh, there's a, like an exodus or a trek from the southern states into the north. And I guess the, the southeast corner of Queensland has always been a, a favourite destination for Victorians and that's why they often call them Mexicans. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, look, we, we don't know. I mean, we, we know that um, certainly we can see on search activity that there is a lot of search activity coming out of Melbourne and going up north. There's yeah. a lot of search activity coming out of Sydney going up north. Yeah. Uh, whether it translates to, to population movement longer term, um, it does remain to be seen. But, you know, the fact that when we have a look over the past quarter, the local government area that saw the second strongest price growth in Australia was Byron Bay. You know, it does, it does suggest that there is a lot of buying activity and a, and a lot of people wanting to, to be in, in those areas. Two, two last questions. The first one is uh, Victoria and its lockdown. Um, if the virus um, starts to pester a state like New South Wales, so far, so good. But if they did, and we had to go back into lockdown, would you get very negative on house prices? Um, I, I would be more negative. I, I guess. I guess this is a thing with forecasting at the moment that you know, day to day, it can change quite significantly. And if we go back to June, you know, things were powering ahead. You know, we could see across Australia this very positive situation that was occurring. Uh, July, we had the Melbourne lockdowns come up. Um, things changed in Melbourne. Things haven't changed so much elsewhere. Uh, I think for house prices, though, you know, I, I think that what will happen in Melbourne is, um, you know, we, we, we're, they're not trans people aren't transacting at the mm. moment. So we have a look at listing volumes. They're 75% down in Melbourne since the lockdown because you can't really sell a home. Um, we don't know what the lasting business damage will be. I, I do think there's going to be some terrible problems in Melbourne CBD that are going to take a long time to, to unravel. Okay. Um, but beyond that, you know, we're still seeing decent search activity in places like Albert Park and Turak and South Yarra. Uh, Mornington Peninsula, you've seen a lot of, a lot of activity, you know, people looking at, at that area to potentially be close to Melbourne, but, you know, have the ability to, to live near the beach. So, um, and, you know, at this stage, it, it is looking, you know, far more positive than I think anyone thought it would be mid-March, but things can change very quickly. Okay. Now, let's go to the optimistic possibility. A vaccine does show up by the end of the year and we're, we're jabbing everybody by January. Would you, would you expect uh, a nice comeback? For, no, no, no surge, but a flaw going under the house price fall, which will eventually be probably 
creeping house price rises over 2021? And be right, Nerida, as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, look, I, I think there'll be a, a very strong bounce back if, mm. if we get a vaccine. I mean, there is just so much money sloshing around at the moment. I mean, if you're employed, not only are you able to access incredibly low interest rates, you're probably spending no money. So, you know, we know that household savings rates have gone to, you know, roughly 6% of income to around 20% of income. So, yeah. you know, people who are employed and in relatively safe jobs are doing incredibly well. Mm -hmm. uh, if we get the vaccine, you know, then that starts to, to really push the rest of the economy. And then we've got China, you know, iron ore uh, exports are at record levels. There's, a, you know, a bit of shakiness about, you know, the, the outlook for that. Foreign students coming back, you know, revitalising our CBDs. So, um, you know, there's a lot that will happen and there's been this incredible level of stimulus, these incredibly low interest rates that uh, will really power up people's ability to pay far more than they otherwise may have been able to. Let's pray for a vaccine, Nerida. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's Nerida Consby from REA Group. Well, catching up with Charles Tarby, the founder of Century 21, or C21 as it's known nowadays. And we want to know what's going on there at the coalface. And Charles has brought along a number of charts to actually show us what's going on there in the real world. Charles, great to see you. Thank you, Peter. Well, just in description, if you leave Victoria out, uh, yeah. I'll get to focus on Victoria later. I can, I can include it in part, but yes. Okay. Yeah. But, in the, in the other states, what's the real estate market like? Look, it's still pretty good. There's, yeah. uh, there's still that shortage of listings. And, and for the last 10 years, I've been producing these stats every every week yeah. and just sort of trying to track it and watch it and so on. And uh, we're in that spot right now where everybody talked about um, maybe a price crash, but mm. we could see that there was a significant amount of buyer interest everywhere you turned. Mm. Um, you had to fight people at open for inspections because of, of having to take people through one at a time. That became yep. a bit of a problem. Yep. And then we noticed that the stock levels were continuing to drop. And from a real estate perspective, we know what that means. And no matter what the predictions were about you know, 20, 30, 40% price drops, we couldn't see it because of that that curve of, of buyers going up and that curve of listings going down. Yeah. And, and that is still the case mm. in much of Australia. Yeah, and I guess if everyone, everyone was just absolutely panicking, all the people who were really worried and exposed in real estate might flood the market with supply. And that yeah. would then lead to a price that, collapse. That would, and there, and there are people right now that are struggling because right. they can't rent their properties out or they're not getting the rent they wanted to get. So mm. there is that issue right now that, that's raising mm. uh, its, its head. Mm. And that could be a problem down the track. Yeah. But as we speak today, there, uh, there is not enough supply to meet the demand in most of the country. Okay, let's run through these charts because yep. I think they're, they're quite instructive in their own right. So the first one is national auction clearance rates. Yeah, and the size is a good gauge um, and people say that the auction clearance rates really don't tell you a lot, but uh, these ones tell you a lot this mm. week. Uh, Sydney was, uh, was probably, it wasn't the best performer, mind mm. you, but at 69.5% it was pretty good. That the, sounds the, healthy. Yeah, the national average, when you, when you look at it, was 675 but this time last mm. year it was 77%. Mm. But the winner is Canberra at 78.6% clearance rate. Everyone so, wants to be Well, I know, and that, that's extraordinary, but Melbourne, you know, it is suffering. Melbourne is suffering. I've never seen the clearance rates as low because yeah. of the struggles they've got. No one can even get out. It's very yeah. difficult to, to gauge, but 33.3% tells you mm. that there are problems down there and, yeah. and that it will, it will spike. Like, the rest of the country spiked yeah. the moment yeah. we got out of stage 
I think it was stage three, when we came out of that, it, it spiked very yeah. quickly. And what's noticeable, Charles, is it was a massive fall. I guess that was April, was it? Yeah, yeah, April, May. Never uh, seen a fall like no, that. No, it was pretty quick when yeah. everything, everything uh, changed and we all were a little bit confused. I'm a bit disappointed with what's happening in Victoria because the agents are very, very well prepared for this. Mm. And you, you can go to a shopping centre and buy goods and you can pick up goods that other people have touched. Mm. But at an open for inspection, we take you in one-on-one, you've got to sanitise, you walk through. Mm. I don't get why there's this dis disparity yeah. between uh, what one industry is able to do and another industry is able to do. Yeah, uh, but th they also have a 5k limit as well, so you have to be buying a place inside your 5k yeah. limit if you want. So yeah. there's, there's a lot and most people, most people want to buy somewhere else. Yes, right, precisely. <laughs> All right, let's look at the next one. Homes advertised for sale. Yeah, and that's now, the that big has one. dropped. Hasn't yeah, it? That, that's the big one. It's continued to drop progressively, and uh, this every. And week is that a good supply? Indicator, is it? I, I think there's a great opportunity for supply in the future, but right now, yes, that's a negative supply indicator, and it's mm. telling me that last week we dropped again by a negative 1.72%, but over this time last year, yeah. we have 23.29% less properties for sale. Yeah, and that's, that's holding that's prices up that's as well. That's the thing, that's the thing. But also, mate, on that chart, you can see one enormous step down. Is that the impact of Victoria? Yeah, mm -hmm. yes, yes. Uh, and and uh, I think also in the early stages of COVID when everybody was a bit unsure. Yeah. So a lot of sellers decided, I'm not going to sell my property. I don't, I don't want people coming through my home. So that impacted on it as well. Now this one here doesn't look as bad, but maybe I'm missing something. This is the residential rent price movement, yeah, they're, they're, and it's going up. Yeah, well they have on a national, when I take the, the three areas that I survey uh, are Sydney, uh, Melbourne and Perth, mm. just to get a reasonable, a broad position. Yeah. And Sydney has probably been the worst mm. uh, since this time last year. It's down, mm. rents are down 8.12% mm. Peter, but they're up in other parts of the country. It's still up in Hobart. I mean, mm. Darwin was the worst affected at negative 22% over this time last year. Mm. Uh, going back to 2015, I'm sorry, which is where I started this particular chart, uh, it's down and so is Sydney down. Mm. But other parts of the country are still progressively right. so moving okay. So is Sydney affected by the fact that there, there must be a lot of apartments that were linked to Airbnb and tourism? That's been pulled out. So right. all those landlords are now looking for permanents cutting the, the, the rate just to make sure they can cover their... their well, that is the case in yeah. some instances, and there, are, there is a lot of compensation out there. I, I honestly don't know what this is going to impact or look like in six months' time. Mm. I really don't. Try and get... You know, if you, if you take somebody uh, and you, you give them a wage rise and you say, look, we've made a mistake, the market's not that great, you can't really take it away. Mm. And I think that's probably going to be the same with rentals, with people have had a reduction. How are you going to get them back up there again, especially when they're not getting government assistance? Yeah, and I think it's going to be some time before international tourism. Pro it probably would take you know, yeah. 18 months. I mean, I'm not looking on getting a, on, on a flight overseas anytime soon. If I could, yeah. I still wouldn't. Yeah. So the vaccine is going to be well and truly entrenched worldwide before we'd probably take the risk. And I'd then, say so. Even then, enough. who wants to take a risk on That's the holiday? That's if I'm still alive by then. Okay, let's go to the last one. Some, may hope. Worry about, Some may hope otherwise. I'm not going to worry about <laughs> insignificant issues like that, Charles. Oh, oh, All yeah. right, residential <laughs> vacancy rate. Now, now what's this, this telling us? This is a really interesting one because when, when I go back over the last 24 months, Perth vacancy rates were as high as 16%, you know. And now, that sounds huge. Uh, like massive. Lots of places it, that no one wants them. It was a massive, massive problem. It yeah. was a massive problem. Um, now, the vacancy rates 
in Perth are lower than the vacancy rates in Sydney. Yeah. That is, I've never seen that before. Mm. So Sydney is But people now, can't escape the WA. You're in well, WA. You, you, you're there, you've, you've got, got to stay now. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, maybe it'll change soon enough. Uh, but Sydney's at 6.52% vacancy rate. And yeah. it was always in the ones and twos like Melbourne. Mm. But, uh, but Perth is one of our best performers at the moment. But does that also reflect the fact that Airbnb's type product is now on the normal rental list and therefore well, it, there's more vacancy? It, it does, but um, people are staying in Perth and occupied in Perth and uh, you've got a lot of people with mining. Mining was taking a lot of people away from yeah. Perth. They're now sort of back in that arena. You've got yeah, a lot in of fact, people. They've, they've, actually, they've actually left places like Sydney and Melbourne and they're living in Perth. In Perth. They're not flying in and out. Correct. The, the Correct. Fire thing's gone. And yeah. you had a significant migration of people from South Africa mm. uh, at the latter part of last year and early part of this year. And that will continue when travel restrictions are removed because there's a, a Century 21 in, in South Africa. Uh, and uh, the people that I talk to there are constantly asking me about business opportunities here in Australia. A lot yeah. of people want to move over. Yeah, and I, I guess, you know, we, we are living through an unusual time, but at this point in time, something like that, that residential vacancy mm. rate, with that enormous spike that was clear when the coronavirus was scaring the pants off everybody. Everybody, yeah. yeah. The, the, the fall on the line is not uh, screaming out that we're looking at a crisis. No. It's not, Peter, it's not. Uh, that may change, six months' time, who yeah. knows? But yeah. right now, no. That's Charles Tarvey, founder of Century 21, or C21 as he likes to call it nowadays. <laughs> He's a modern kind of guy. Yeah, thanks, Peter. <laughs>
We're seeing the same thing on those inner city apartments in Sydney where you can pick up an inner city apartment for probably 100,000, 150,000 less than someone paid for it a couple of years ago. But we're not seeing that same thing translating into the inner west apartment market. Mm. And that's an apartment market that's in that six to, to 800,000 range. And people seem to be wanting to buy there. We have a lot of first home buyers taking that opportunity to get into the market now. So it's quite a good market. Um, we're also seeing some of those more prestigious markets in Brisbane really taking a hit. So around Kangaroo Point there and it, the inner city, high end, west end, South Bank apartments, um, and also houses in some of those high end areas, they're taking a fairly big hit at the moment. Um, whereas if we have a look at the outer suburbs of Brisbane, they're certainly still doing really well with a lot of them growing. Are you seeing the same kind of hit to high-end properties in Brisbane happening in Sydney? The thing about the Sydney and the Melbourne market is because when we talk about high-end in Sydney and Melbourne, it's a different stratosphere than high-end in Brisbane. Yeah. So what we have in both Sydney and Melbourne is a high-end market that ordinarily has very few buyers moving in, in it, relatively speaking. So we don't have big turnover anyway. We have a smaller amount of buyers, we have a smaller amount of listings, and therefore they usually turn over fairly well. It's a bit of a scarce commodity to get a good high-end property that you would want in Sydney and Melbourne. And what's happened in both of those markets is there's just nobody selling and nobody buying. Yeah. So there's no measurement, there's nothing happening in those markets. They're holding firm because we're not getting turnover. Whereas in Brisbane, where people do move up through those ranks and there are more people moving up through those ranks because income is very similar, but those top end prices are a lot lower. We're seeing people not wanting to move up that final rung at the moment. Mm. Now, the one thing you do for your clients is you, you pour over all the suburbs and towns that have potential. So which ones are looking like bargains for investors right now, Margaret? I, you know what I'm going to say, I think, Pete. Deception I'm Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about Adelaide first yeah. because what we're seeing in Adelaide is a lot of interest in their mid-ring suburbs. So we're talking about areas out there in the Tea Tree Gully, which the Tea Tree Gully uh, Shire, which is where a lot of those people who have come into the area to work in, uh, you know, the space centre that's being developed there, and there's a lot of health at hospitals and the universities mm. are, are hiring as well. Those people are all choosing those mid-ring areas to live in and we are actually seeing a pressure there that we're not seeing in other parts of Adelaide at the moment. So I'm really liking anything that's within five to 10 kilometres of Adelaide. You'll find that if you buy there, you just can't go wrong and the rental returns are pretty good too. Mm. Obviously in Brisbane, the northern suburb still has all of that ongoing development moving up into the Sunshine Coast and that's going to go on for quite a long time. And every time a new suburb opens up north of Caboolture, a suburb south of Caboolture goes up in value because suddenly it seems to be good value for being closer to the city. So all of those suburbs around um, the Lakes District there up 
around Kalanga, um, those areas in the Moreton Bay Shire, I think you'll find all of those areas are going to be the recipient of really good growth. Mm. What about Perth, Margaret? Because you know, we know Perth struggled and it's starting to come back and then the coronavirus came along. What, what are we seeing in Perth? So what's happening in Perth is we've seen a really big shrinkage in the amount of rentals available. So that's happened as a result of two main things. The first one is expats moving into back to, to, to WA. So as you know, the borders are closed probably forever now. <laughs> uh, probably first step in WA succeeding from the nation even. Who knows, that could be the next step for them. And I, hang on, but, hang on, and I should let people know, you're not being a nasty East Coast person. You come from WA, don't you? Well, oh, I no. wasn't born there, That's but I right. spent a good proportion of my time there. That's my right. husband's a Perth boy, yeah. and three of my children were born there. there so I have a real affinity for Perth and mm. love the place. Mm. Um, but those borders are slammed shut, let's be honest yeah. about it. Yeah. And what's happened as a result of that is a lot of people who were from WA living and working over east, as they say, mm. and now they've moved home before they could never get in again. And there's a real pressure on those rentals. Mm. The other thing that's placing pressure on those rentals as well is that um, we're seeing a lot of people now deciding to sell their investment properties there. So people from over east who owned investment properties are now getting rid of them. So they're going to first home buyers. And the reason they're going to first home buyers is that there's a big take up in WA of the grants, the first home buyer grants, mm. both the state and the federal grants. They're buying the properties off the investors. Normally it's the other way round. Mm. Normally investors are buying off first home buyers, but now it's happening the other way, which is removing rentals from the pool. So we're now seeing vacancy rates well below the 2% and approaching 1% for the first time in a very, very long time. And what ordinarily happens after that is once we get that shrinkage in the rental vacancy rates, then more people buy, more pressure on houses mm. and more pressure on prices. But in a sense, that's the cycle. They were whinging about baby boomer investors buying all the properties. Now those baby boomer investors are, are worried and getting out and the, and the uh, first home buyers are, are getting some bargains. Pretty much how it's happening. Mm. And remember that Perth is still quite an affordable market in the big scheme of things. Mm. They used to be the most affordable market in the entire country and then they had their kind of mini boom, it was a great boom. Property prices doubled in 18 months, True. around about 10 years back. Mm. And But since then they've sat flat. So they did suddenly overtake a lot of other areas, a lot of other states, and they were more expensive. And now that they've sat flat for such a long time, they've come back, you can still buy a property, probably a 20, 25 minute drive from the CBD for under 300,000. You'll get four bedrooms, two bathrooms. We always have to remember that in Perth, everything is bigger. So for 20 minutes out of the city, in Sydney, you might get a three bedroom old 1950s house that costs you a million and a half in, or even two million. Mm. In Perth, you go 20 minutes out of the city, you'll get four bedrooms, two bathrooms, three living areas, alfresco, the whole lot. And it's going to cost you probably about seven, $600,000 to buy. So everything's very cheap and everything's very big there. Mm. I do want to talk though about the mining areas yep. because, and I know this mm. is going on film and someone's bound to take this as a grab and misuse what I'm about to say. Okay. But for the mm. first time, for speculative investors, 
there is actually an opportunity in the mining towns of WA. And the reason for this is that at the present moment, to buy an established property is considerably below replacement value. If you wanted to build a house up in Caratha at the moment, it's going to set you back about $600,000. You can buy something already established for under three. So there is a window there and it's probably about one or two years long. Mining is going pretty well over there at the present moment. So if you're an investor who likes to speculate, you're prepared to get in and make sure you time the market to get out. There's some money to be made in mining towns at the moment. Mm. So it's one for the thrill seekers, but we say get some advice if you're going to do something like that. Look, I hate mining towns and I would never buy in them myself mm. because I'm the kind of person who would be stressing about when is the right time to get out. I'm also very busy, so I'd probably set it and forget about it. Mm. And the first thing that would occur to me is that suddenly prices are falling and I'd need to get out then and it's too late. Once the tide turns in those mining towns, yeah. the ride down is such a roller coaster, faster than any other type of area. You can go from top to bottom in less than 12 months and you won't know what hit you. Okay, you're already giving me heart palpitations, Margaret. Margaret, thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you.